Welcome to the History of the Bible podcast. Does a person worship God out of genuine love or primarily for God's blessing? This is what Satan thought when God bragged about Job. So God, in a way, accepts Satan's challenge to see what Job would do if he was put through the ringer. And was he put through the ringer? Join us in this episode as Satan destroys the life of Job, but the man still did not sin. Episode 16 is not the book of Jobs, it's Job. Today we'll be reading through chapters 1 and 2 in the book of Job. For the time being, we're going to press pause on the history of the Israelites. As we just finished with Joseph dying in the land of Egypt, we will eventually go back to their history. But for the next couple of episodes, we're going to look at the book of Job, which many scholars believe to be the oldest book in the Bible. With that, let's take a look at Job and his life. As mentioned in the last episode, the events of the book of Job happened during the time period of Genesis. Most likely he lived before Abraham, as it says in Job 1 verse 8 that no one on the earth was like him in being blameless and upright. If he did live during the time period of Abraham or after him, there would have been many people that were pursuing God, being upright and blameless, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph and his brothers, and then eventually Moses. Another thing that kind of gives a clue of when Job lived is how long he lived. In the Greek translation of the Bible, it says that Job lived to be 240 years. Abraham only lived to be 175 years. Isaac lived to be 180. But after that, the lifespan continually decreased. Joseph only lived to be 110. The last time someone lived to be around the age of 240 is during the time of Peleg, when the people were divided up into different clans based on their languages. However, Job would have happened after the division of people at the Tower of Babel. The reason for this is because Job's friends were of different clans than he was, Timonite, Shuite, and Namathite. It is also known that he lived before the time of Moses. This is known because Job himself performed the sacrifices as it says in Job 1 verse 5. When Moses brought the law of God, it gave the duty of the sacrifice to the priest and only to the priest. Another thing that would show that Job lived before the law is the law of God says that an inheritance should only be passed from father to son. However, Job gave an inheritance to his daughters along with their brothers in Job 42 verse 15. The only time that the law of God allowed for an inheritance to be passed on to a daughter was in the case that no son was born to him. With that in mind, that would have placed Job between Peleg and Moses, kind of a large time span between the two. Many think he lived around the time of 2200 BC, just about 200 years before Abraham was born. There is a thought that Job lived after Abraham though, more so around the time period of Jacob. The reason for this is because Esau had a son named Eliphaz. In Job 2 verse 11, it says that Eliphaz was one of Job's friends. Esau's son Eliphaz had a son named Taman. Job's friend Eliphaz was a Tamanite. In Job 1 verse 1, it says that Job lived in the land of Uz. The land of Uz is another name for the land of Edom, which is where Esau and his family moved to after departing from Jacob after their father had died. This would be the land that was southeast of the Dead Sea. 
It is thought that Eliphaz, the son of Esau, or Eliphaz's son, Taman, settled a city in the land of Edom. Job's friend, who was also called a Tamanite, could have been called so because he was from the city of Taman, in the land of Edom. Therefore, it could be thought by some that Job was from the time period of Jacob. However, there are many that don't even think that Job lived at all, saying that it was just a story that was given or a poem. It's been pointed out that the way the book of Job begins is the exact same way that the prophet Nathan opens his story in 2 Samuel 12 verse 1 to confront King David after what he had done in sleeping with his friend's wife and then having him killed. However, the book of Job gives us much more detail that it couldn't be just made up. Nathan's story doesn't even have names for its characters. Other scholars believe that it was written during the time period of Israel's exile, so that it would encourage them for one day being restored to the land that they were taken out of, thus making him to be some type of character in a story. However, Job was not just made up. He was an actual historical person that lived. There's even other books of the Bible that attest to this. For example, in Ezekiel 14 verse 14, Job's righteousness is named among Noah and Daniel. And in James 5, verse 10 and 11, Job's perseverance is compared to that of the Old Testament's prophets that were put to death. For the author of the book, that isn't known. Because of the similarities that the book holds with wisdom and the way that it was written, some think that it was either David or Solomon that wrote the book. There are some that believe that the book was written by Elihu, who was also a man that would later join Job and his friends. It could have been Isaiah to help encourage the Israelites of God's restoration. Another thought is that it could have been Job himself that wrote it. Because in Job 19 verses 23 and 24, it says that Job wished his words to be written down and printed out in a book. Although most believe the book was written by Moses, even Jewish tradition attributes the book being written by Moses. The reason for this is because while in Midian, after running away from Egypt, he could have been able to gather the facts about the life of Job and put them into a book, if they weren't somewhat a book already. The book of Job begins out with the background of a man named Job. He has ten children, seven sons, and three daughters. In Job 1 verse 3, it says that he was the greatest in all of the east because of the amount of livestock that he owned. It says that he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, a yoke would have been two, so a thousand oxes, and 500 female donkeys. The 3,000 camels could suggest that Job was in the caravan trade. The man would have over 11,000 animals in his possession. And then it says that he had very many servants. Kind of need a lot just to watch over all the animals. Another clue that Job lived earlier in history rather than later is because the measurement of his wealth was based on his livestock, not gold or silver, as it would be used later in history to show how rich a person was. It also says that Job was upright and a blameless man. The same words would be used to describe Noah. It doesn't mean that they didn't have faults, they were human. It just meant that Job pursued God and turned away from evil. To show this, it says in Job 1 verse 4 and 5 that on each child of Job's day, most likely meaning their birthdays, there would be a feast at the birthday son or daughter's house to celebrate. And after the feast, Job would bring each one of them out to sanctify them or to purify them before the Lord. 
just in case they curse the Lord in their hearts. The word here for curse can sometimes be related to the word to bid farewell to or to dismiss the Lord. In other words, turn away from the Lord in their hearts. Job would do this all the time for his children, acting as the priest of the family, again showing that he was before the time of the Mosaic law. Now the book of Job is written in a very poetic or story-like format, with the first part being an introduction into the life of Job and then an outro at the ending. In between the beginning and the end is the story of Job. As the introduction of the part of the book continues, it says that there was a day when Satan would join the sons of God, or angels, to present themselves before the Lord. Some say that it wasn't a specific day, but that God would always have his angels before his throne. This could be compared to 1 Kings 22 verse 19, where it talks about a vision in which the Lord sat on his throne and a host of angels were standing before him. In this vision, there is a discussion between God and the angels, and God asks who will convince King Ahab to go into battle so that he would be killed. A spirit then came forth to God and volunteered to do the job. The Lord then asked how he would do it, and the spirit said that he would be a deceiving spirit from all of the false prophets. This spirit is a lying spirit, which would point to it most likely being Satan, seeing that Satan is the father of lies. The vision, as well as in Job, is a picture that is given of a king in which his servants come in and out of his court to give an account of their actions and to wait for their next order. However, Satan does appear before God from time to time. It's seen twice in Job, in 1 Kings 22, and in Zechariah 3. But this does not mean that Satan has access to heaven, for he was casted out of heaven when he rebelled against God. But it does show that Satan can be invited into the presence of God by invitation only. In ancient times, to see a king was only by invitation, as in Esther 4 verse 11. Otherwise, they could be put to death. Same goes for Satan. He doesn't have free access to God, but he must be summoned. When in the presence of God, God asks Satan where he has come from, to which Satan replies that he has been going back and forth on the earth. This can also be seen in Matthew 13, verse 25, and that the enemy came and sowed seeds among the wheat and then left. It also has a connection to 1 Peter 5, verse 8, in which Peter says that Satan is like a lion walking around waiting for someone to devour. So when Satan says that he's been walking back and forth on the earth, he's basically saying that he's been doing his own thing separate from God. God then gets to the point. He asks Satan if he's noticed Job as the upright man that he was, almost in a sense bragging to Satan about Job. And as Revelation 12 verse 10 says that Satan is the accuser, he begins accusing Job, saying that he only worshipped God because of all the benefits that Job's get from serving him. Satan then tells God that the only reason that he feared God is because of the blessing and protection that he gives Job. Satan says that if all those things were taken away, he would curse God to his face. In essence, God accepts the challenge of Satan and gives him permission to do what he wants with all that he has, with the exception that he is not allowed to harm Job himself. After that, Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and got busy messing with Job. It happened on a day when all the siblings were at their oldest brother's house. A messenger came up to Job saying that while the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were eating, that the Sabines came up and took all of the oxen and donkeys and killed all of their servants. 
only the servant bringing the message was alive. The Sabines could have reference to three different people. They were the descendants of Sheba. There's three people found in the Bible that had the name Sheba. The first was the grandson of Cush. The second was the son of Joktan, the great-great-grandson of Shem. The third was the grandson of Abraham. All three of these groups would have become the Sabines. The grandson of Cush would become a group in Africa, and the other two would settle in the Arabia. It is thought that the descendants of Shem were closely connected to the Temans. The Bible usually references the kingdom of Sheba being related to Arabia, usually placed in southern Arabia. It also refers to the kingdom as being very wealthy, which can be seen when the queen of Sheba brought many gifts to Solomon. What's interesting is that the kingdom was thought to be only in the trading market, not into war. They were a country of merchants and not of warriors. The kingdom would last for about a thousand years, but would eventually fall due to a civil war within itself. Therefore, as the servants were explaining to Job that his donkeys and oxen have just been taken away, another servant came up to Job. This servant was with the sheep, and he told Job that the fire fell from the sky and burned up all the sheep and servants. He was the only one to escape to tell Job. The fire from the sky isn't really known. Some say that it was lightning, or others say that it was just like the fire and brimstone that fell on Sodom and Gomorrah. Or it could have just been actual fire that fell from the sky, as in 1 Kings 18 verse 38 and 2 Kings 1 verse 12, where fire fell and burned up the offering, and the other time, fire came down and burned up a group of soldiers. While the second servant was speaking, a third servant came up to Job. This servant was with the camels. He explained to Job that the Chaldeans split up into three different groups and attacked the servants, killing everyone except him and took all of the camels. The Chaldeans lived in the southern part of Mesopotamia, just south of Babylon. This is where Abraham was born and would be called out of the land with his father. Later on, the Chaldeans would eventually become part of the Babylonian people, and the two names for the people groups would eventually become interchangeable. And although they lived a couple hundred miles away, there is evidence that the Chaldeans did do raids far beyond their borders. And while the third messenger was telling Job about the camels being stolen, a fourth messenger came up to him. This messenger was with Job's children at the party. He told Job that while at the party, a strong wind came from the wilderness and knocked the house down, killing everyone inside, and he alone was only one to survive. The winds from the wilderness are thought to be just that, strong, violent winds that blow across the Arabian desert, also known as the east winds. These winds are known for destruction throughout the Bible and still can cause issues today. The sandstorms coming from the Arabian desert can be up to 60 miles wide, carrying tons of sand with it. The winds from the Arabian deserts can also cause whirlwinds or dust devils that are like smaller versions of a tornado. This is what is thought to have blown across the desert and knocked down the house, killing all of Job's kids. Despite the news that his whole family and possessions were gone, it says in Job 1 verse 20 that Job fell to the ground and worshipped God, not blaming God for the events that happened. After losing the challenge, Satan goes back to God again, when all the angels were before the Lord. The conversation starts the same as the first time, where God asks Satan where he has been, 
to which he replies that he has been going back and forth on the earth. And again, God asks Satan, has he seen Job? That despite all the things that Satan did to him, he still held to his faith in God. Satan responded to God saying in Job 2 verse 4, skin for skin, meaning that a person would give everything they had just to save their life, but that if you affect the man's body itself, he will surely curse God to his face. With that, God gives Satan the ability to affect Job's body, but he could not take the life of Job. So again, Satan gets busy with Job. This time he attacks the man's body. In Job 2 verse 7, it says that Satan struck Job with sores from the sole of his foot to the top of his head. Many believe that Job was struck with a form of leprosy called elephantiasis. Elephantiasis is a disease that's the enlarging of the skin and the tissue beneath it. It usually affects the limbs of the body, but it can also affect other areas of the body as well. The reason that it's called elephantiasis is because the skin of the person with the disease causes the limbs of a person to look like an elephant, but the skin also hardens like that of an elephant. With the enlargement of the skin, it causes boils that then cracks the skin and breaks it, leaving exposed wounds. Although the exact disease isn't known, he was covered in boils from his head all the way to his feet. It also caused a disfiguration that his friends didn't even recognize him. He had sores that scabbed over, cracked, and oozed. His sores would then become infected with worms. Darling of the skin, diarrhea, choking, and sleeplessness were all symptoms that Job had. Once Job was struck with this disease, he sat down in a pile of ashes and scraped himself with a piece of a broken pot. The broken pot may have been used to help try to relieve the pain that he was feeling. Some think that the pile of ash was not just ashes, but also a pile of dung that he sat on, referring to Psalms 113 verse 7. This was to show that he was in deep mourning for a loss. Just like the tearing of the clothes was a physical display of mourning, sitting in a pile of ashes and poop was an extreme display of mourning. While sitting there with his body in such pain and discomfort, his wife tells him to curse God and die, calling him to do exactly what Satan wants him to do. But Job wouldn't listen to her, but actually corrected her, saying that she was sounding like a foolish woman. The word used here for fool is one of the strongest words for fool found in the Hebrew language. Yet with all that Job was going through, he did not sin. Therefore, when Job's friend heard of all the suffering that Job was in, they made a meeting to come together so that they could comfort Job in all of his sufferings. However, his friends were not much of a help to Job whatsoever. So join us next time in episode 17, The Gathering. Thanks for listening to the History of the Bible podcast. Go ahead and rate and review it, and be sure to subscribe as well as follow the podcast. Also, be sure to tell your friends and family. For ways to give feedback or to let us know how this podcast has impacted you, check out the links in the show notes. Until next time, remember that you are loved, special, and worthwhile.